Father God, that is our song today, that we need you. And we praise you because you came and you're coming again. We can't wait to see your face again. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, to our visitors today, we want to say welcome. We're glad that you've come to worship uh, and to have this day. Just look around. Look at all these great people here to yeah. share this day with. Uh, and so we're glad that uh, everyone's here to come and worship together, uh, to hear from the Word of God, to sing our Lord's praises. Um, and there's some uh, Bibles. If you didn't get a Bible, there's some Bibles back there. You can grab one. Uh, feel free uh, and uh, take one home with you. Give them to a friend. Uh, we'll be looking at the scriptures today. Um, these, this is a good day, too. Uh, we have, uh, today we're going to talk about some things about longevity. Uh, today we are in the book of Luke, so you can turn with us. We are uh, in the second chapter. About, oh my goodness, it's been a long time now, about 25 years ago, I was uh, in a place called Moldova, which is Eastern, Eastern Europe. Pre previously a part of the, the Soviet Union, and uh, so it was uh, in pretty bad condition. In fact, it's the poorest of all uh, uh, Eastern European countries, a little landlocked country, and uh, we were doing student ministry there. I was there for a year. Wendy was in Estonia. We were at Camps Crusade, and so I was uh, hanging out with some college students and just kind of getting the vibe of why, what life was like there, and what the, the spiritual um, uh, temperature of the place was. And so I said, well, you know, who, I asked, like, who, why don't you go to church? Or, you know, what is church like, life like? And, uh, you know, to a person, all of these young folks said, well, church, and when we say church, we're talking about the Russian Orthodox Church. So there are church buildings around all of, all of Moldova, and there are these beautiful, beautiful places. And they said, the, the church is for babushkas. Uh, a babushka is an old lady. And uh, you would see them around town, and they, they had... In, in normal Russian kind of attire, like nine layers of clothes around them. And so they walk around kind of like this, like off a Christmas story, you know. And, uh, and they, they're, they're sweeping the streets. And, and so it was, they said, you know, the church is not for our generation. It's for the babushkas. Interesting. Because of communism and a distinctly atheistic ideology, um, the church had fallen under on hard times, such that not one, but two generations of, uh, of people had grown up in a culture that said that there is no God, and really the only God there is, is the government itself. And so for two generations, uh, the Soviet Union had fallen apart and had become a very dark place. I, I remember my, one of my first, my first encounters when I was in Moscow, walking underneath 
uh, uh, the passageway between two sides of the street, and a man just dies. He just falls over. This is my first night in Moscow. A guy just falls over and dies as we're passing by him. And I'm like thinking, this is not a good idea for me to stop as the American and like, I'm sorry, I, this man's dead. You know, like, what kind of questions are they going to ask me uh, as to why I have a dead man in my arms? And people walk past and we're just laughing. They were laughing about this man who just died. Dark place. The light of God was not in people's eyes. But there were some babushkas, some babushkas who continued the faith. They continued to go, even though no one else was, even though the church was empty, even though these were dark times, even though the government even had, even in the, the church that existed, the officials within the church had to be Soviet officials, Russian officials. But these ladies, babushkas, they kept coming back, and they kept coming back. So the young people now said, the church is only for babushkas. And so the message today is, the church is for babushkas. The story of uh, Luke chapter 2, if you were with us uh, last week, we saw that Mary and Joseph are bringing baby Jesus to Jerusalem. And they take him to Jerusalem to perform a purification rite. And when they come, they, they meet a man named Simeon. He is a priest. And Simeon is this man who has been faithful to God over and over and over. He has been preparing himself he has been longing for the consolation of Israel, for God to make things right, just like these babushkas, waiting for things to be made right, trusting that God was going to come as he said he, he would come. But there seems to be really no hope in that happening. There are no signs that say that there is going to be the consolation of Israel, yet Simeon continues to be faithful. And then, filled with the Spirit, he sees this child with this poor family, and he says, this is it. This child is the consolation of Israel. These are things only that can be revealed by the Spirit of God. And so he says, now, just as God has promised that I would live to this day, I can die a happy man. And that's where we pick up the story today. In, in Luke chapter 2, in this, this long chapter, uh, we're going to look in verse... 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Enter in our babushka. This lady is 84 years old. Some scholars believe she may actually be 103. If you look at it, she could be of 
been 84 years since her husband died, or she could be 84 years old. Needless to say, she's an old lady. And this old lady, her occupation, her vocation is to come and pray and to fast and to participate in the temple. So, you know, as we're, as we're becoming uh, good Bible scholars in here, we have to look at this text and say, now, now what is happening here? Because doesn't this story of Simeon, doesn't, isn't that enough, right? I mean, don't we, have, don't we already have the character who is faithful, waiting for the consolation of Israel? He filled with the Holy Spirit, he sees this child. I mean, isn't that enough in this story? Isn't, isn't it a little overkill to add another, another story of Anna? Remember John, the, the, the apostle John says that, you know, if we were to tell all the stories, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to, to fill them, to, to, to cover all of it. So why did Luke have yet another story of this lady Anna, which seems a lot like the first story, right? We have to ask ourselves that question. I think there's a reason. We look at Luke, especially Luke, as we've been doing for a while now, we see that Luke is really quick to remember that it's not just men in the Bible. That like, this kingdom work is about men and women and children and old people, very young people, those who are far away from the things of Jerusalem and those, things, those who are right in the middle. And here is this, this woman, Anna. And Luke says, like, I need to tell this story, too. This is part of, of the beauty of the story, part of the beauty of the kingdom work. This is part of the beauty of the attributes of our God. That this, this woman is considered to be a hero in this story. Don't forget about Anna, this babushka. As my, my college friends would think very little of this strange little lady that would have this kind of practice of going in and out. And you would think many in Jerusalem thought the same thing too. Like, okay, she's, she's an outlier, right? Like, who does that? Who doesn't find another husband? Who, who goes to the temple and fasts and prays? She's like a super spiritual person or she's a nut, right? Honestly? She's not to be greatly regarded, but Luke says, She's to be greatly regarded. And here's this woman going in and out and praying and fasting. In many ways, like Simeon, but maybe even to a greater extent, fasting and praying and watching and waiting. These two sentinels, Simeon and Anna, looking out for the kingdom and waiting. We see throughout the book of Luke, there's, there's stories of not just Zechariah, but of Elizabeth. Not just of Joseph, but of Mary. Even the bad examples, because Luke's going to go on to write the book of Acts, right? The Acts of the church. We also hear about Ananias and Sapphira. This kingdom is for all people. This kingdom is for all people. So what is, the, what is the vocation of this woman who's been going here for maybe 84 years in and out of the temple? 
kind of person is this? We know she's old. We know that she's been a widow for a long time. And for you and me, that probably has a different significance. A, a widow then no longer had, obviously, family that would take care of her. She didn't have, like, financial support. She was considered, like, the lowest of the low. And it would be to her advantage, as we studied the book of Ruth, to find a kinsman redeemer, to find someone to take care of her. But she didn't seek after those things. She lived a very simple, humble, difficult life. She was not filled with possessions. She was not full of relationships. In fact, she had a poverty relationship. She didn't have a husband. She didn't have children to take care of her. She didn't have the things that most people had. But what she had was a wealth of blessing. And she has a wealth of example for you and me. The holy vocation of a babushka. This holy profession was a, a coming in and out, a, 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 a real regular presence, a daily presence in the temple. It was also a, a vocation of prayer and fasting. We can, we can look at, uh, uh, in, the, in 1 Peter 4.4, 4, it, says, it says, with respect to this, they are surprised when you not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Now listen to this. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. It's all throughout scripture. There's, there's a couple of reasons why we continue in a, a watchfulness, a, a, a fasting and prayer. One is because we, we are, it's part of the kingdom coming. That we as the people of God should have a watchfulness and a prayerfulness expecting that Jesus is going to return. And we see there in the, the book of Luke, what will come in that, uh, that's our next chapter as we return, is the Lord's Prayer where he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so our holy vocation is the holy vocation of Anna. It's the holy vocation of the babushkas. Although the world around us is not being faithful to him, that we continue to pray and say, Lord Jesus, come. Come, come in the midst. Make your kingdom, the, the kingdom here, where the things are, are broken and falling apart as relationships are broken, as people's finances are broken, as people are full of sin, as we are full of sin. And we say, Lord Jesus, come, fill this place. It's the holy vocation of the Annas of this world. is our holy vocation. It's not just for babushkas. It's for us. Is that our life? Is our life looking for God redeeming the lives around us and praying for it and yearning for it and acting on it? Prayer and fasting. With fasting is like this expectation that there's going to be something else. It is, it is a holy work, this fasting. You know, uh, why, why is our vocation this? I believe because... You know, we get so busy in filling ourselves with what's happening on the day-to-day, -day, right? Like, so we get in our routine and our schedule. But when you fast, it messes all that up. Do we have any fasters in here? Like, you change. 
In fact, my wife doesn't always like me fasting because I become kind of grumpy. I'm going to be honest with you. Like a regular routine of, of stopping and, and not eating or, or not drinking or whatever it might be. Stopping and saying, you know what? I don't want to be so, so caught up in the things of this world that I don't have a perspective of what's really happening. I think when Justin was uh, preaching on prayer one time, I think he quoted Betty. I think it was you, Betty. Uh, the, like some of the most sane moments. Was it, you, were you quoting her? Like one of the, some of the most sane moments were those moments of prayer? If not, you should say that more often. But isn't that the truth? Like when we're in prayer, it's like the sanest moments we have. Like we have a real evaluation of what's happening in the world. This is the holy vocation of a babushka. This is our holy vocation. To be people of prayer. To be people of fasting. To stop our, our regular just routine of life. And say, you know, there's something else hidden here. Uh, there's something else going on here. And what we find is when we stop our lives in that kind of way, these kind of disruptors, that our bodies, our minds war against us. Just a reminder, like, we have been participating in so many things that when we stop, they fight against our flesh, our minds, our hearts, our thoughts. It's a holy calling. I would pray that as part of our takeaway from this, that you too would consider this kind of holy calling. To fill your life with this expectancy of Christ coming in our midst and doing things, like have a, an understanding that God has a place in these broken places of our lives, but also that Jesus is going to return and take us home again. Our holy calling. To be prayerful and mindful of those things. To stop all that's going on and say, how, how can Jesus fill these moments, but also know that there's an end in mind? I would, I would even challenge you to have a regular time of fasting. Just let your wife know before you're doing it. Let she have some grace for you. And that that would be our routine. Maybe for you it might be for the next six months to one day a week set aside, this is my day of fasting. For, the, for others it may be to take a week or, or just to try it for the first time. And grow in our expectancy, our watching. I tell you, 1 Peter 4 is also sobering. Telling us that, in verse 5, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Like, our lives are going to be judged. There is going to be an evaluation of how we do. And we should be faithful knowing that he is coming. And when he comes, he's going to judge those who are righteous and those who are unrighteous. And that we will also have to give an account for ourselves. Do you live the life of a babushka? Do you have the holy profession that Anna had? Are we those who are faithful in praying and fasting? Eugene Peterson, actually it's quoting Nietzsche, and he has a great book called a long obedience in the same direction. Would that be how your life is considered? How you see yourself? 50 years, right? Are you growing in that? A long obedience in the same direction.
So Anna, faithful for so many, many years when it seemed like there was little effect, she now holds this baby. Consolation of Israel. Israel redeemed. And so it says that she went and told everybody, like, <laughs> I wonder if she's like carrying the baby around, like, uh, bring, him the, bring him back. This is it. This is the redemption of Israel we've been looking for. This is the hope. Can you imagine just how her heart must have just So these young people that I'm talking that I was talking to some 25 years ago, one of them's name is Eugene. He was he was more than a punk. He was like a mafia punk. Seriously, he was a, he was a little mafioso guy, teenager. He came to church to uh, check out the pastor's daughter, American pastor's daughter, <laughs> and he met Jesus there. And now he's the pastor of that church. Uh, he, uh, they've started a seminary. They have, within the church, they have ministry to people in the prisons. They have a deaf ministry. They have ministry to the orphanages. They have uh, ministries to the alcoholics. There's a ton of alcoholics uh, on the side of the street. And they are serving the Lord in great and glorious ways. I can't help but think, that's not all fueled by babushka prayers. Will we be faithful in this day? There's a lot of stuff that's falling apart around us, right? Let us have the faith. Let us have the obedience of Anna. Meeting with our Lord. Calling him to come back. Praying his will be done on earth as, in as it is in heaven. One of the great things is like, our God, you don't have to be super smart. You don't have to be super rich. You don't have to be super talented to be faithful. Like that is like the, the, the level playing field. You and I can be like Anna. Let us be faithful fasting, praying, preparing this world, ourselves for the return of our Lord because he's coming back.